Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabnur and Navia, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's episode, we're excited to welcome TikToker and mental health advocate Jorge Alvarez. Jorge is a first-generation college graduate content creator who uses creative storytelling on his TikTok platform at iJorgeAlvarez. You should all go follow him and search and look through his content. Jorge creates content geared towards Gen Z, first-generation college students, Latinos, and all BIPOC communities. His mission includes cultivating space for collective reflection, unlearning limiting beliefs, and breaking generational cycles. Welcome, Jorge. Hello. Thank you so much for having me again. We're so excited to have you today. We're so excited to talk more about not only your journey through mental health, but hearing your insights on all things mental health and just get to learn a little bit more about you. No, I'm really excited. I think one thing that I've been trying to spend a lot more time doing is finding different avenues of amplifying my own voice since that amplification isn't always readily available, especially to people like myself. So I'm really excited to be here and and, and take that step forward with all of you. We're glad that you're here and we're excited to jump right into the content that we wanted to talk about with you today. Starting off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, just what you would like people to know about you? My name is Jorge Alvarez, and I am a content creator and recent first-generation college graduate. And that is important to highlight because my college experience, which I'm going to dive into in a bit, has played a really, really big part in my mental health and what that's looked like. But as of April 2021, I took to TikTok to begin creating content. And at the time, it was focused on my undergraduate experience with like subtle hints of mental health conversation here and there. But Fast forward a couple of months later, there was one video that really took off, which I, again, I will talk about in a few, that really wound up being the external validation and the signal for me from my community to create content that speaks about my own healing, my own self-healing, wellness, and mental health journey. And it really reminded me of the importance to bring these conversations uh, you know, to a platform like TikTok. So I'm really excited to be here to really dive into that and share more about my journey as someone who's been pretty much broadcasting and making this experience very public in the hope that someone out there, even one person, resonates with my experience. That's awesome. Yeah, we're so excited to hear more about that through our conversation because that's something that I feel like a lot of platforms, oftentimes you don't get an opportunity to share those stories or share those perspectives. Or if you do, it might not be like you said, Jorge, elevated to actually reach those grand audiences or individuals to actually hear some of that stuff. So really, we'd love to hear more about all of that. But I think initially starting off with, you know, talking a bit more about your relationship with your family and how that's been through your journey with mental health. And as you've learned more about yourself, With respect to family, which is a really important question for me, I think it's important to highlight the connection between, as I mentioned earlier, my experience as an undergraduate student and where family comes into play as it relates to my mental health. And it's because when I started off undergrad, which was, again, you know, a very new experience since I am a first generation or was a first generation student, now graduate, there were a lot of different changes happening back at home that were really, really influential on what 
my journey was going to look like for the next four and a half years. I had a father who was really, really loving and endearing and supportive. But, you know, when it came to my parents' marriage and the family dynamic, that was starting to shift entirely as he made the decision to move out, which is nothing that I have any hate for. But if anything, I feel like it was the best decision for my parents. And that really plays into, you know, my experience as an undergraduate student, because, you know, as an only child whose family was only ever my mom and dad, when that decision was made, it was, you know, it was a little scary because I didn't know what that was going to mean for my family dynamic. But it also prompted me to really look inward and really reflect on how my upbringing played a part in, you know, who I am today and what my experience moving forward was going to look like. And so when it comes to my mom, first and foremost, her and I have always had a very, very close relationship. And we've always been, I always would tell everyone, like, you know, my best friend, like she's very open with me and very, um, very emotionally in touch with herself. And so she would always encourage that growing up. And as I mentioned, my dad is really endearing. So he would always show his ways of affection and love. But at the time, I didn't realize that it was a very, a very masculine way of doing that. Like he would walk into my room and instead of being like, oh, just give me a hug. He would like try to give me like a noogie or try to like roughhouse me before that hug. Right. It wasn't just like an, an endearing hug. So that's kind of what my relationship has looked like with the two of them. Yeah, no, I think it's so interesting to see you reflect on your relationship with each of your parents. And honestly, it's prompting me to reflect on my own relationships because I feel like we don't get to do that all that often. And it sounds like you've given some time to look inward, whether it was a scary transition or not. It sounds like it gave you that opportunity to take a pause and reflect on, okay, my family dynamics are changing. Things are changing around me. It's a big life transition going to university and college. And then what does that mean for you? And giving yourself that opportunity to look inward and reflect and really look at like, how are my relationships shaping me? How has my upbringing shaped me? Um, And I think that can yield so much insight and it can tell us a lot about ourselves for sure. No, absolutely. And that's kind of where, like, that's been a huge thinking point for myself because as I continued my journey through undergrad without the support of my parents, since again, they they couldn't help me, they didn't understand what that journey looked like, it really prompted me to continue to look inward and understand, yes, not only how did they shape me, but it made me realize their limitations and where they could show up for me and where they can't, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a really important realization as I was maturing and taking that step forward in my career, because when it pertains to my mental health, I also had to accept that that was the truth as well. And I had to really understand, you know, sure, my mom and dad could be very endearing and could be very supportive, but that doesn't mean that there was an unintentional harm done along the way as they were raising me to be the best version of myself and as they were raising me to go off into the world, right? And that was a, a big moment of reflection and also just acceptance, self-acceptance, because it's difficult to look at parents who tried their best and you know they tried their best, especially immigrant parents and parents of color, mm-hmm. you know, because you want to say that like they did the best, they, they absolutely invested everything they could in you. And I will say that they did, but when you actually also admit that there was some wrong that was done, that is really, really difficult. But again, you know, when I was in that transitionary period um, from high school to undergrad for myself and when I was, you know, kind of confronting what my parents' role has been and will be and is at the time, um, that's what really allowed me 
to understand myself more. And what allowed me to understand those around me and how those dynamics um, continue to influence me, those like household dynamics. And so like that relationship has gradually changed with time. Um, and fast forward, you know, four and a half years later, maybe I'll say three and a half years, which is when I started to really um, work on those relationships and talk to my mom about more difficult like topics as it relates to my mental health, there was a huge roadblock that I feel like I started to run into, right? Because my mom, although she wanted to hear me and listen to me, and she was very supportive of everything I was doing for myself, you know, even when I opened up to her about very like personal matters as it pertains to my mental health, there was almost like this roadblock again, at, where she just like, the same way that with undergrad, she couldn't really help me. I feel like when it came to my mental health, Sure, she couldn't help me, but she also just couldn't understand where I was coming from. And that's what's kind of led to a lot of what I speak about today when it comes down to, you know, household dynamics and what it means to grow up in a Latino household and what I've internalized growing up because there's been so much that I feel like we as a community just overlook and without realizing, again, how that impacts us today. And so those cycles then continue. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's something that I've experienced as someone who's from, you know, the South Asian background, just seeing my parents. And sometimes I, I really resonate with that point of you saying that it feels like a roadblock after at some point. For me, it was definitely with mental health, sharing even, you know, as graduate psychotherapy students, sharing what I'm learning or what therapy means and talking about this with some of my family members, sometimes I can see that it just wasn't a conversation that they had. Maybe they don't have enough knowledge in this area. So it's easy to hit your max and then just it's it's hard to go beyond it. So absolutely. And I'm wondering through your experiences, Jorge, have you noticed certain cultural values that keep on coming up or certain aspects that are coming up for you as those roadblocks when you're trying to communicate with different family members or your mom? For sure, for sure. And I'm glad that that we have the perspectives that we do, right? As people of color, from a South Asian household and a Latino household, because at the end of the day, I think what we have in common is that there is always going to be this really, really strong stigma and this wall that our parents have when it comes to this word mental health mm-hmm. and when it comes to the whole discussion surrounding it, right? A lot of my friends, including my girlfriend, who are also South Asian, like everything that I experience, they resonate with. And so it's, I'm glad that I have that support system and that we have like that cross-cultural understanding of what that looks like. But to your point, And to what a lot of people can probably relate to um, is, again, those cultural values of protecting the family. That's a really that's a core value. Right. And it's, you know, how can you put the family first, which is a beautiful value as a collect as as we come from both collectivist cultures. But that also hurts us in a lot of ways, because with that comes silence and with that comes shame and with that comes guilt when we try to talk about anything as it relates to our own experiences that don't have to that don't involve like the collective front moving forward like or like the collective like the family moving forward if that makes any sense and so that's one thing and with that also comes you know specifically to the silence part this fear of speaking up and this fear of yes not only asking for help which is a huge one but also just again like voicing yourself to those around you like expressing how you truly feel and not just responding, oh, I'm good when someone says what's up, but actually having the bravery and the trust to say, I'm not okay. So I feel like 
when it comes to the family unit and when it comes to the pride surrounding that, there is a lot of, I guess, friction before ultimately speaking your truth and asking for any help. And that's been a huge, huge part in unpacking, again, like that connection between my own experience and my own mental health and how my family has played a role in that and has continued to reinforce those things, like the negative behaviors and cycles that I find myself kind of stuck in sometimes. And I'll also say that when it comes to my experience personally, and this is very much a cultural experience as well, how we communicate is not like other cultures where a lot of times you're met with silence, though that is an experience, of course. In my experience, communication sometimes involves a lot of oversharing nonstop and a lot of screaming and yelling and unhealthy forms of communication. And that's, again, because like when when our parents withhold so much and when they try to protect themselves and when they try to protect the family and they don't share things and they don't get the help that they need, there's always moments where they just burst and that's all projected. And so those are two or more than two things that definitely come to mind. Yeah, I think that first one that you mentioned is so key about this idea of like a unit, a family unit, and the idea of protecting the family image to others around. Like it's definitely something that I've seen um, in my own family, but also families like other South Asian families in my community as well. And this idea that if we talk about our individual struggles or talk about mental health concerns as an individual, it's kind of breaking apart this unit and breaking apart this strong image that we have for others. And I think that's such a big barrier to accessing care and to starting these types of conversations because this idea that it's meant to stay within the family we don't need to talk about it why should we bring others or outsiders into this conversation right can really get in the way of people seeking help from therapists or psychiatrists or even family doctors and it can be so tricky because I agree with Prabhner like even me being a psychotherapy student like having these conversations is still not easy and so it's this idea that slowly we can start to dig a little bit deeper and start to work on it but they're so deeply rooted in our own understanding of life the way that families run and the way that we all interact with each other that it can take some time but we can start somewhere right and start to slowly break uh, those barriers apart a little bit at a time. No, for sure. And I think it's also important to highlight because when I when I spoke about this at first on TikTok, um, actually, my first ever viral video was on collectivism and BIPOC communities. That was the title um, or like the cover that I added on TikTok. And essentially, I was talking about this experience, you know, when you feel guilt, which all of us do when we try to do something for ourselves, whether that's taking a day to go to the spa or just closing our doors because we want that space or maybe you're going on a vacation and you're like, oh, dang, I wish I brought my mom here before I brought myself or like maybe I should have brought her with me. There's this guilt that we feel like this inherent guilt that almost instantly just arises because we are doing something for ourselves. And again, we come from these households that very much preach the group dynamic, if that may, you know, like there's like a there's like this this energy that's like unspoken but it's very much about doing things for the good of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, even though our parents want us to succeed and, and do us and go to college and be a doctor or a psychotherapist or what have you, um, at the same time, it's also like when it, well, when you do something that's for yourself and deemed selfish, even though it's not selfish, you know, it's kind of looked down upon, right? Um, and so we feel that guilt even when our parents don't express that to us, right? Like I've been on Airbnbs with my girlfriend, having a good time, and I'm like, dang, should I have brought my mom here? You know, like that guilt really kicks in. And um, 
that's just something I want to highlight. And I feel like when I've spoken to, when I spoke about that in that original video, which um, was like really, really popular, a lot of the feedback I also got in, in some comments kind of later down the line were like, oh, well, there's also a lot of beauty in collectivism. And it's true. Like there is there is so much richness to collective cultures. And my girlfriend actually was the one who told me this. And I've been like living by it since she was like, well, when you go to the spa, when you go on a vacation, that might be something that you're doing for yourself. But we're all connected. And when we do something as an individual, we're doing that for the community, right? When we spend time to heal for ourselves and we are investing in ourselves, that's not just an individual and individualistic effort. That's also us nurturing the community by nurturing ourselves in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a po- like a really positive part of any collectivist culture and Latino culture, because at the end of the day, everything that we do is going to have a ripple effect to those around us, even more so than non-BIPOC families um, that may or may not have that that same connectivity with one another and that same like collectivist mentality. Absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful sentiment, actually, thinking about how you as an individual can have such a profound impact on your community because absolutely you can. Mm -hmm. So if you're not well, how's your team member or your community how are they surviving or how are they functioning? Exactly. So this idea that if we can take care of ourselves inherently, we're actually supporting our community, I think is so important to think about and something that I hadn't thought about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it actually also reminds me of this idea of filling up your own jug before pouring it out to others. And I think that really speaks well to what you're saying, Jorge, about taking care of ourselves can actually make us a better person in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So for example, as psychotherapy students, if we're taking care of ourselves, engaging in self-care and really really reflecting on some of these things, we can be better therapists for others, but also we can be better siblings, better daughters, like better friends for the people around us, better partners. And so generally, we are actually having a huge impact on everyone around us. It's just this mindset shift. And I think what your girlfriend said, like Pradner mentioned, is so profound that just changing our perspective on it from being selfish to actually taking care of ourselves can be so much bigger than that is really what it takes, right? And then accepting that that's okay and that it's something that we all need to do for ourselves. And actually, if we had done it for a long time, it would have helped our parents and generations even before that. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Showing up for ourselves is in turn showing up for others. It may not be a direct form of that, but it is an indirect form of that, like you said. And I know even, even when I've done, you know, meditations going back like three years ago, guided meditations, that was one thing that was mentioned in a few of them. You know, it was like, they would prompt me to think about how the act of me meditating for 10 minutes is going to influence the people that I interact with that day. And that's, you know, back then when I was just starting, I didn't really get it entirely, but now I do, right? And and it's like also because as we start to understand ourselves more and we spend that time with ourselves more, we also understand those around us, which is also very connected to like why I'm where I'm at in my own healing and wellness journey. And it's because I've been spending and devoting so much time to the the work that I've been doing for my own mental health, but also like uh, advocacy wise, right? Which has allowed me to also see see a lot of the the connectivity that I have with those around me and see, as I mentioned earlier, those bridges with my family members and how like their behaviors and their responses and their reactions are 
impacting me on a daily basis and have impacted me and continue to and vice versa. So I really like the whole like fill, fill your own cup before others because it's so, so true. And I'm trying to do that right now. Yeah. And it's, I feel like one of these things where it's like a lifelong journey where you continue working at it, nothing that comes easily or something that you just, you know, try a couple of times and you have the hang of it and it changes at every point. Exactly. Yeah. So something that will all go on in our own journeys at some point. I'm wondering, Jorge, if you could talk a little bit more about one of your TikToks, the hanging up on my Latina mother. So I know in that TikTok, you mentioned communication and boundaries. And I just wanted to ask if you could explore that a bit further with us. Yeah, for sure. So a big part of where I'm at right now in the work that I've been doing for myself, but also in turn, you know, uh, sharing with others has been the relationship between my mom and I, the relationship between my father and I, and how, again, as mentioned earlier, my upbringing is shaping me, has shaped me and unpacking that for myself, right? Mm. Really trying to see like, where those bridges are. And so I made that TikTok that you're mentioning literally like moments after this back and forth that I had with my mom, where we were, it was like a, it was a disagreement over a lamp that I threw away. <laughs> super, super simple. Okay. Yeah. Super. It was like 7.45 AM. And so I, I made this, I made this TikTok and it was the hook. I was, I was very wise with it, but I was basically just like, you know, I hung up on my mom and this is why you should too. Cause I know people would be like, what? And essentially it was me sharing my experience of, again, I got into this disagreement and it was 7.45 AM and, you know, I hung up on my mom, not to be disrespectful, but because the anxiety that I was starting to feel in that two minute phone call was so high that I was just like, okay, I need to create like space. I need to distance myself from the source of my anxiety because otherwise it's just not going to like serve me, right? I'm going to start my day and go into work 15 minutes later feeling frustrated, feeling anxious, feeling overwhelmed because I was berated with, you know, my mom's frustrations and whatever she may have been projecting from work, which I now see very clearly. Like I, I can see very clearly what my mom is projecting, um, which again, like 13 year old me would have never seen. I would have just been like, why is my mom upset? But now because I've done so much work, I can very clearly see when she's like, that stress from work is being kind of thrown on me. And that's definitely what it was. You know, it was definitely just a long week for her. And that was that was the, the experience that I had. And so because I was able to identify that me hanging up was, again, uh, a move for myself to preserve my peace and to make sure that I was entering the day like with the energy that I needed. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have been able to like do what I needed to do for work. And then the things related to my creating that I was really looking forward to later that day, because it does, it's very emotionally draining, right? But basically what I was talking about in that video, in short, was that the act of hanging up or the act of doing something along those lines, like walking away from a parent, closing your door is not, does not equal disrespect. And in our households, in Latino households, specifically from my experience, it is automatically deemed disrespectful if you do anything like that, right? Because it's like, oh, you're not listening to me. Oh, you chose not to, you chose to like close your door on me or you chose to hang up on me. Like that is rude. Why would you do that? Um, but I think it's important to recognize that disrespect and hanging up because of you just, you just wanted to and you just didn't like care what your parent had to say is very different than like, whoa, I'm getting anxious. I need to create space right now. And I, I do want to highlight that like this book, 
you can't see it, but it's 12 Ways to Cope with Your Latina Mom and Her Difficulties, a guided journal uh, by Jasmine Cepeda. So this is, she's a therapist with her LCSW over here in New York City. And she wrote this book and it's a guided journal where she talks about different topics related to Latina mothers. And um, there's also prompts throughout it. And I had only just begun this book. Like, actually, I began it the same day. But it's funny because when I opened the book, one of the first things that I saw was directly related to my experience and the importance of protecting yourself. And protecting yourself is also related to creating that space and preserving your peace, as mentioned. So that's what that TikTok was about. And something I also want to highlight is the reason why I speak about things like I mentioned earlier with collectivism and, you know, collectivist cultures and hanging up on my mom is because like these are the conversations that I realize I wish I had, but more importantly, I need. Like when I watch my favorite personal development YouTubers, there's always a point where I'm like, okay, you don't get it in the sense that, and maybe they do, but I say you don't get it in the sense that they usually come from more privileged households. They're usually not Latino. And so I am like, let me talk about, let me basically air my stuff out because people don't. And those are the real conversations that need to be had to really have real to make to take real strides forward so that's a little bit behind the why as to why i made that tiktok absolutely i think that one part of it that i really resonated with is this idea of boundaries and i think boundaries can mean such different things for everyone and the the point where you said jorge you know you know it's disrespectful if you're not listening to me or if you're not being receptive of what i'm saying and that's something that i've seen quite often and even working with different clients, they've brought it up, especially I feel like one thing that we need to acknowledge in therapy or just talking about these topics more generally is the cultural component of it. Because thinking about, you know, let's just be more assertive. As an example, when we're talking with our families, I know from my personal experience, if I tried going to my family and suddenly being very assertive in a manner that might be respecting me, I know would not work in that household. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you need to really try to understand those situations and see, well, when can I actually be assertive and in what manner? And how can I form boundaries, again, in a very culturally competent manner? Because what we are, even how we're trained sometimes, like, oh, this is this is how you do an assertiveness worksheet, is not going to be actually appreciated in <laughs> oh, the worksheets. BIPOC yeah, communities. Yeah. Uh, I... I... I like said under my breath, I don't know if it was picked up by the mic, but I was like, oh, the worksheets. I had a therapist, amazing, amazing human, you know, but she was a worksheet lover and worksheets just didn't work for me. It's difficult to capture all the nuances that like we just touched on, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a box like this, like yeah. in a box like that's like an inch wide on a, on a piece of paper. So like for me, I was like, this is not working. And so when I actually switched therapists, unintentionally it was like a whole COVID shift happened and she had to take care of her son but when I switched therapist the first thing I said was can we please not do any worksheets like I need to like talk out loud and I need to I need you to challenge me is what I said to my next therapist but yeah I just wanted to touch on the whole worksheet scenario um and also how again how that relates to like just not capturing or not allowing us to necessarily capture those full experiences now I will say of course you know you can always journal about these things but that's a, that's another option, and, and I'll say I'll table that for now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think Prabhnur and Jorge, you both bring up such great points about this culturally adapted therapy because you know Prabhnur and I are trained in CBT, and that's cognitive behavior therapy, which is 
created by and was also tested on like white males predominantly right and especially in those populations and then now with the more multicultural world and that's increasing every single day we're trying to use these same like cookie cutter approaches with different populations and then seeing you know what like this isn't really helping and like you said Jorge it's not encompassing the nuances it's not encompassing the intergenerational trauma that might be involved the different um, things that are passed on between generations and all of those different family relationships and actually um, we have a literature review paper due this week and I'm looking at culturally competent CBT uh, for depression specifically and I think it's so interesting to see how little there is out there like as painful as that is I think it's so insightful to just know that oh my gosh there's so much work that needs to be done in how we even deliver therapy in that manner for different populations because you're right like if I tried to use assertiveness at home and like pulled out my worksheet and read off of it I think I'd probably be laughed at first of all and yeah. secondly no one would take me seriously right so just understanding that and you're right Jorge about starting conversations about these things and you know if you're experiencing it it's likely that someone else is also so even if you can connect with one or two other people that's still a win in terms of getting these conversations started and another thing on the topic of therapy um is that like a lot of time like why it's even more important to talk about this and why I do is because most of my people are not in therapy like like more than 99% of the population probably is not in therapy, nor will it ever be an option for a lot of people because one accessibility and here, here in the States, healthcare is effing horrible. And it's like, it's our accessibility to things like therapy are just like, not, not it. And so that is one, the reality of the situation. And then two, like we said earlier, the stigma is like such a huge part. And so if we can at least talk about these amongst ourselves and if I can help, you know, prompt others to think about the things that I only just began to think about because of therapy, like, why not? Why not extend my arm or like kind of pass the torch? And again, it's like, I'm not, I'm not replacing that, that role of a therapist because I'm not saying this is what you should be doing or this is what you are experiencing. But I always make sure I say kind of like if I was talking to a friend, Right. Like, let's say I was in a group of like three people and they were all Latino or BIPOC. I would I would say, you know, this is what I'm going through and this is why we might be going through this. And that's exactly how I talk about or frame things when I'm making TikToks, because I want people to be prompted, but not feel like I'm saying this is what you're going through, period. And, you know, unpack it now. But yeah, that's something I think is really important. That's kind of what I've been talking about a lot more often, even just amongst my own friends, just like the the accessibility part and why having conversations and using platforms are so incredibly important right now. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm wondering on that, what have you noticed people have resonated with, whether it's through feedback that you've received from your platforms with some of those things that you're sharing that you may have learned through your own journey? Right, right. And so it's funny because I did personal branding work, as I mentioned to the both of you right before this the other day. And part of this was idealizing my ideal like follower. And that person would be someone who's, you know, 18 to like, let's say 25, who's Latino and who's maybe just starting to accept that they are going through something that's really challenging in their life or that they just started like taking strides forward in their like um, personal growth, healing, wellness, however they want to frame it. Um, and I think that that was really important for me to do because 
it allows me to understand who I'm speaking to, yes, as a creator, but it also allowed me to reflect on, like you said, the feedback and the things that people have resonated with most because I kind of like thought backwards. I was like, well, what, who have I been speaking to the most? And a lot of those people who end up commenting and who end up really engaging and who end up sticking around till this day are those who have gone through, who are exactly what I just explained um, as a person, but they're ones who always very much resonate with my experiences when I talk about growing up, whatever that is. Like it can be, you know, with how my mom spoke to me and how she communicated and kind of the challenges there. It can be about, you know, this fear of failure and how that's attached to the way I was disciplined, right? But that's usually what resonates most with people because, again, I just think it's something that we don't speak about, let alone you don't see a Latino man who's a little bit bigger with a beard speaking about these things, right? It's like out of all people in our community, you don't see, you don't immediately imagine a Jorge out here speaking about this stuff. So that is also, again, kind of why I feel like people really resonate with those specific topics. Yeah, I think representation is so key. And, you know, the more people that we can connect with and the different kinds of people we can connect with it just offers platforms for different people to share their perspectives and I think that's a huge reason why Prabner and I firstly entered the field of mental health generally but also started our podcast this idea of like two South Asian women talking about psychotherapy yes. as students mm -hmm. right and like students in the field as well as their own experiences is hard to find and even though we live in in Ontario which is very multicultural it's hard to find that representation and so even just being that person and connecting, like you said, Jorge, with your ideal follower and starting those conversations about what it was like for you growing up can form that connection already, especially like virtually. I think that's so cool that we're able to do that these days and form these types of connections, not even seeing a person, but just by creating, and I say just, I know the amount of work that goes into it, but by creating episodes or videos or different TikTok content and even just generally content, like that is just so mind blowing to me that we have that reach these days and we're able to do that kind of stuff so yeah I think it's it's just uh quite interesting to look at so I'm wondering Jorge on that end what can be done when you notice yourself in these difficult cycles with your family this is exactly the point that I'm currently at so I'm very much living this experience you know having just moved back home from college literally like a month and a half ago and living with my mom again who I haven't lived with for four and a half years it's been a very interesting experience Hence why I made that TikTok to begin with and why this is something I'm really sharing. But I will say that when you start to notice that there are these patterns that are popping up, right? When you're noticing, okay, every time my mom says X, Y, Z, or every time my dad says, A, I'm feeling really anxious or I want to snap at them. Um, and, and when you start to notice those patterns, when you start to notice, you know, kind of what's maybe triggering you, but also... When you're looking at them and you're seeing, wow, every time my mom gets home from work, the first thing she does is like profusely clean and then tell me to do X, Y, Z and like gets frustrated when she sees that a dish isn't away and it's on a towel that's drying or something like that, right? When you start to notice these patterns and you like really start to self-actualize, that's when I have found myself one taking a step back and being like, okay, I need to talk about this in therapy. I will always preach therapy. Shout out to therapists. Shout out to both of you. So that's the first thing. Second, I honestly just allow myself 
to feel what I'm feeling. You know, so too often, like we feel these things. And again, like we just keep on going. We like forgive and forget without realizing in an instant. I know I do that. And I'm so guilty of that. Like I will feel so enraged about a situation, but I have found myself in this pattern, ironically enough, where I go to my room. I don't necessarily feel like it's been resolved, but I just push it off. I suppress it. And I suppress my emotions around that. So the first thing is like allowing myself to feel those things and allowing myself to not ask, is what I'm feeling valid right now? But just allow, literally just feel it. The second thing I'd say after that is where I start to process and I start to try to process using journaling or just using like literally time to just talk to myself about the things that I'm feeling and understanding where they've been popping up. And I feel like that's been really monumental because when you start to, again, feel these things and see these things within yourself and your family and those around you, hence notice those cycles, you can then start to really pick up on what might be causing them. And that for me has really allowed me to process and take kind of action on that and, and say, okay, well, every time my mom comes home and she does what I just explained, where she's starts profusely cleaning and then is like, do this, do this, do this. I notice that I'm anxious. So by allowing myself to feel that anxiety and feel what I'm feeling and the thoughts that come with that, I then am curious about it. And I'm like, okay, well, where does this pop up again? And then I'll notice, okay, well, I see that every time I'm instantly told to do things without, you know, a greeting or without much um, conversation. And it's just like, I just feel like I'm being commanded. That's really frustrating for me. And then I'm able to, again, go to my journal and just write free write or read the book, 12 ways to cope with your Latina mother, and then feel validated because you're like, wow, someone has written about this. This is like, not just in my head. So those are two of the things that I've been doing. And though they might be simple to some people, it's not simple to those, to other Latinos, because again, we don't like if, if any of you are Latino listening to this, I want you to ask yourself, how often do you do what I just said? Like actually allow yourself to feel and process. Probably not that often. So that's what I would first throw out there. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that one point initially that you mentioned, Jorge, about simply first acknowledging that you're feeling something and then allowing yourself to sit with that is it sounds like a very simple step, but is really the first crucial step that you need to take because it's something that's overlooked. We'll just push away our feelings or we'll try to just just push through and do whatever it is that people are saying or wanting to do. So taking the first step to step back and say, okay, what am I feeling? Why is this happening? What is going on? And just trying to understand what it is or just sitting with those emotions can actually have such an impactful change in whatever it is that you're doing initially. No, for sure. And that's, that's again, what I have been preaching to all those around me. And that's why one thing that I've been really trying to share a lot more of and also a TikTok series that did really well were these healing your inner child prompts and shadow work prompts that I came across. Did not write them. I will never take credit for them because they are like, I don't even know if I could have written them. They're like very powerful prompts. And that series did so well and was actually one of the biggest contributors to the growth that I experienced on my platform because they're questions that you don't usually see. They're not your cliche journal prompts. And so like finding resources like that, whether that's whether it's having a conversation with a friend about these things or whether that's, you know, processing through journal prompts that really, really prompt you to dig deeper. I think that's 
always a really good follow-up to sitting with that and processing that for yourself. And that's what's really helped me, honestly. It's been monumental, like having these conversations with friends, with my girlfriend, and especially with others that I've met through TikTok, right? It's been really powerful to build that community and lean on that community. Because like when we start to lean on community, again, to my point earlier, it's like we start to, that's that's the collective, that's the where the richness and beauty of a collective culture is really, really stands out because we instantly understand each other's experiences and that's invaluable and that's so powerful in kind of taking those steps forward for ourselves and in turn for everyone around us. So that's what I've been doing, just leaning on people around me, um, trying to really process with journals and, and using whatever resources that are accessible to me. Yeah, and I love that you share these accessible resources with people too because, you know, they're typically out there, but sometimes we're not able to really access them or even have time to go digging and searching for things that might be helpful for us. So having that available and having your platform connecting people to some of those resources and things that they can be curious about in their everyday lives, um, I think that's a theme that came up when you were discussing this idea of like, how am I feeling? What's causing my mom to act this way? Why am I reacting this way? Is this general sense of curiosity and giving yourself this observer perspective kind of like maybe even um, stepping out of your current situation and looking at it from a third perspective and I've done that a couple of times and I think it's quite helpful because you're able to be a little bit more compassionate towards yourself in that process as well and say okay this happened and this happened and that's why they relate and no wonder I'm feeling so anxious or no wonder I'm feeling so frustrated given everything that's going on so just offering yourself that compassion along the process as well and then sharing that with your community like you said can just really empower you for sure and that's that's a perfect transition to my journey as a content creator and mental health advocate in that intersection and where i find myself today the reason why i share what i share and why i am continuing this journey of self-healing but also kind of broadcasting it to like everyone which you know at times i'm like okay do i want to share but then i'm always it always ends with me being like yes i want to share is because again like I recognize the value in these conversations and the need for them because every time that when I post one of these videos that speaks directly to my people, the, the, the feedback and the overwhelming support is something that I will always be forever grateful for. And what I absolutely love are the conversations that start in my comment section. Like I may not have a million followers, but I will never trade a million followers for the comments and the back and forth that people have and like the gratitude that people have expressed for the, for the conversation that I'm uh, provoking within them and, and amongst our, you know, each other, because that is me. I'm like literally witnessing people process and heal, like heal before my eyes. And when I say heal, you know, I mean, truly just kind of take grasp of their own mental health and, and, take those steps forward for themselves. And so that is, that's been one of the highlights of my creative journey and, and sharing all of that I have. I think you're doing absolutely amazing work because you're offering not only this platform to share content, share information about your experiences, but you're offering space for individuals to, like you said, explore their own journey and also find that healing through your work because you're sharing your experiences and people can relate. They're finally seeing that representation and they're seeing something that they can understand and also fight back to see that, okay, maybe I need to do something more about my own situation, or maybe I want to take that step to learn. And I think you offering that platform or that space for them is so important and more, more that we need. Oh, for sure. And I look forward to continuing to 
be the this like beacon for those around me and for my community um and also be trying to think of the word but also be a sponge Mm -hmm. that you know soaks in all the information that i can and then gets squeezed (laughs) in the sense that like i soak in all the information and then my community like squeezes (laughs) this is y'all know what i'm trying to say basically it's like yeah, I'm just looking forward to being that that sponge that gets soaked and then squeezed and et cetera and back and forth because like I am absorbing and I'm learning as much as I can and in turn passing that forward. Um, so really, really excited to, you know, also grow as a person and learn from those around me because I always take something away from conversations with people and I'm forever grateful for that too. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like this shared learning that happens, right? So as much as you're giving people resources and things to think about in terms of journaling prompts or your own experiences, they're also sharing their experiences with you in the comments or by DMing you and having their own discussion. So it really is this very beautiful like shared experience, shared learning that's happening and then getting on platforms like podcasts or other areas, you're able to even expand that further. Exactly. No, for sure. Well, we do want to say thank you, Jorge, so much for taking out time to talk about not only your journey, but more about the Latino community and how you've navigated mental health through your own family as well. I think you offering your insight on your experiences and also things that you've seen in your community are so insightful and really do get that conversation started. And I'm hopeful that more people can start to get that conversation started in their own families and their own communities because it's so important for us to start exploring our own mental health journey and see if there's areas that we want to learn more about and explore for ourselves so thank you thank you so much for taking out the time to talk to us this evening thank you and anyone listening please don't forget to take some time for yourself drink some water and rest as much as you can thank you so much for listening and having me Just as we end, we want to remind you that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. Any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and well-being. We also wanted to share some resources with you. This includes Good to Talk, which is a confidential mental health support for post-secondary students in Ontario and Nova Scotia, Kids Help Phone, Connects Ontario, Wellness Together Canada, which is also a free mental health and substance use portal for anyone in Canada as well. And they also help you stay connected to different and appropriate resources that you may need. There's also Virtue Mental, which is based in the States, but you can explore them on Google or check them out on Instagram for more information. They offer a platform to share resources and various support groups to help with different concerns that you may have. There's also Latinx Therapy. This is a platform that helps you connect with therapists in your community, and they are also based in the United States. Open Path Collective, which is an online platform where you can find therapists that provide affordable in-office and online psychotherapy sessions on a sliding scale based on your budget, and you can find therapists both in United States and also some parts of Canada. Jorge shared a great resource, which was a book called 12 Ways to Cope with Your Latina Mom and Her Difficulties, a guided journal. This is written by a psychotherapist named Jasmine, and you can also check that out. But in addition to the resources we shared, we encourage you to explore your own local resources and reach out to those if you need that extra support. 
as always, you can connect with us through our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. You can check out our Instagram page for future updates, and it's also a great way to share what you're interested in hearing on our podcast or any feedback that you have for us. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you're listening right now. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our conversation with Jorge through his experiences with mental health and on his journey. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care. 